Hey everybody, welcome to the Rule Your Pool podcast. I am your host, Jared, and I just want everybody to know that Eric actually gave me the keys to this episode, so he is not begrudgingly giving it to me. He's actually allowing me to run point on this one. I hope I don't let you down. Just don't let it go to your head. Welcome my trusty co-host slash sometimes host, Eric Knight. You know, sometimes it's nice to ride in the passenger seat once in a while, so I'll allow it. Good, good. Well, today we are going to talk about something we as a professional battle on a daily basis. My background, if you didn't know, is the repair maintenance side of the business. That's where I grew up, our family business and so forth. And there's been a constant theme there that is something that we all fight every day. How do you give a customer enough information without diminishing your value? What we're going to talk about today is sometimes good enough is the enemy of being great. Good job, Jared. Episode 84 of the Rule Your Pool podcast. Let's get into it. Welcome to Rule Your Pool, the podcast by Arenda that explains and simplifies pool chemistry so that anybody, regardless of experience, can understand it. I'm your host, Eric Knight, bringing clarity to these subjects so that you can bring clarity to your water. If you're ready to rule your pool, then let's go. We get the phone calls, and when I say we, Eric and I get the majority of the phone calls and the problems that come in, and we talk to a lot of homeowners, we talk to a lot of service professionals, and, you know, we appreciate it. They're they're looking for help and advice. We're happy to give it. And there's a common theme that people are always looking for the easy button, a magic product or a magic solution to solve somebody's problems because, let's face it, we all have problems. Nobody's perfect. Balancing water is different in every part of the country, and water's just different. I mean, Eric, how many of these calls do you get in a week? Oh, every day, multiple a day. Oh, I've got this problem, or my pool's turning green, or my pool guy doesn't know what they're saying, or I went to the pool store and they told me I had to buy this, this, and that, and I just, I don't understand why my water looks the way it does. So what can I do? Like, what product do I put in? And it's always a question of like, how much of your product should I put in to fix this huge problem that I have? And it also makes people wary of walking into a pool store, and it doesn't matter what pool store, they feel like they're being taken advantage of or they're being told to buy all these things to fix the problem and how much of it is necessary and that's the question we get all the time at the end of the day it all boils down to this isn't easy this isn't supposed to be easy this is supposed to be a trade that requires educating yourselves and finding answers and being a resource to your homeowners. And if you're a homeowner, you're doing the work and finding these educational platforms and so forth to better understand water management. And that's what this episode is revolving around, managing the water in totality. Well, it's not to say that it's always going to be very complex. You can get your water into a groove. You can rule your pool in a predictable way by limiting variables, deciding to take things out of the equation, and knowing what water wants. Now, there's still a lot to account for, but as long as you stay in that vein and you're thinking about the water's needs instead of your own, there's a good chance that you can maintain it relatively easily. But what we see a lot of, and I think this is what, Jared, you're you're tap dancing on, we see people fighting their water, pH bouncing, water just 
completely out of balance because you're trying to conform to ranges or whatever it is. That's what we're trying to get around. Is that a fair statement, Jared? That and people just throwing their hands up at the problem and saying, I'm going to throw the kitchen sink at it and cross my fingers. There's a cause and effect to everything we do to this water, whether it's adding acid. Acid has an effect on lowering the pH, but it also has an effect on burning through alkalinity and potentially getting too low, causing other problems and corrosive water. You know, we like to talk about the LSI here. So you create these effects by adding a chemical. These things go into your water. They do something. I'm not saying they don't, but then that something has to be managed after the fact. It's your job as a pool professional to understand what those impacts are going to be so that you can manage them accordingly. Let's talk about traditional pool care. One of the habits that we face a lot, meaning uh, when people call us, they've been told to do something. These are the things that I like to consider like old school thinking. Some of those common things, I'll get you started here, Jared, since this is your episode. Some of the old school things are... um, guesstimating the volume of the pool by looking at it. I've been doing this 20 years. That's a 20,000 gallon pool. Yeah, right. Good, good. Yeah, that's, that's really precise. It's that. It's the constant fear of being replaced by ease. If we make things too easy, well, then what value does a pool professional have? Oh, that's a good question. You have a lot of value. You have a investment in somebody's backyard that you are protecting and ensuring that it is being maintained properly because homeowners want to make sure their stuff is maintained properly and the insurance is going to cover any problem, but it's your job to know that information. Homeowners, we do appreciate you listening, by the way. Uh, This is just more towards our service professional and we appreciate you going that extra mile. But at the end of the day, When a customer approaches you and says, why do I have algae? Well, that's not a good reflection. Or I have a party this weekend. My pool looks like crap. Mm, Not a compliment there. Or the biggest fear is another service company comes into a backyard or you take your water sample to a retail store and they don't quite understand why you're maintaining that specific pool a certain way. And they just say, oh, this is all wrong. This looks terrible. This thing's too high. These are out of ranges. And this person's ruining your pool. That is the number one concern. If you have enough education and understanding for why you do what you do, the confidence that goes with that for you to be able to look into that homeowner's eye and say, this is why I'm maintaining your specific pool this certain way because I know that the LSI matters. I know that when I add this product, it's going to impact it this way. So I'm accounting for it and this specific scenario. And once you do that, the amount of confidence you instill in that homeowner is, man, this guy actually knows what he's doing and what he's talking about. So that's why I pay him. Well, I think having a method to the madness makes a huge difference and being able to explain your actions as opposed to, well, this is what the book says. I'm doing it by the book. Well, what book? Is the homeowner going to read that book? I mean, I've read those books. I've read every single one that I can find. They all basically say the same thing, and they're all based on range chemistry. And guess what didn't read the book? Your water. Your water never read that book. If you can show that you are actually treating the water the way that water needs to be treated, you have a fighting chance of having water that behaves week after week, and that is value. That is something that the homeowner doesn't need to think about. 
it's the same reason that a homeowner would hire a landscaping company. Is the homeowner incapable of mowing their lawn? No. But they don't have the machinery to do it quickly, or they don't want to do it, or they don't have the time, and they can't do it as well or as detailed with the, you know, the edge trimming and all the other things. It's similar to the pool, except you're dealing with chemistry here. You're dealing with contamination. You're dealing with things that for six days, 23 and a half hours a week, you're not there to treat. You don't know what went in that pool for a week. So what can you do to make those odds in your favor that when you come back after a week, the water still looks good, it's in a equilibrium state, LSI balance, and that you can continue to keep that homeowner happy. That is where you need to abandon old school thinking. Old school thinking like, oh, I know this pool takes three glugs of acid a week. Really? Yet we see this all the time, Jared. How much acid did you add? Uh, about half gallon. Really? About? Did it really need that? No. So we don't know the volume of our pool. We're not measuring. And th this really comes down to two topics that we talk about a lot. Our six bad habits and our four pillars. Maybe we should go through that, Jared, because I think the easy button would be just obeying these things, not doing the six bad habits and obeying the four pillars. That would be the closest thing to an easy button I can think of off the top of my head. You're right. That's your job as a professional to make sure that you understand. If you don't understand, ask. Ask questions. Um, seek the answers so that you can better understand it. And as a pool professional, it is my job to make sure that I'm not chasing a problem for a homeowner to quote unquote save them money that's a big trap if you have a pool with chemistry ranges that are so out of balance that it's going to be next to impossible for you to maintain this body of water you don't have to have all the answers sometimes the answer is start over drain it start it over that's your professional opinion that's why you're there yeah we sometimes talk i know i do anyway about a pool being a chemical cocktail if it's over treated you just keep throwing things into it to try to keep it clean and clear, eventually that's going to come back to bite you. But you got me thinking here, Jared, because this is your episode, and I'm thinking about what is traditional pool care? What does the traditional pool route look like? I mean, should we just kind of, you mind if I just go through in my mind what that scenario sounds like? And if you are listening to this and this sounds familiar, we hope you pay attention because there's a much better way than what I'm about to describe. Jared, you want to take a stab at this with me? I think you can, but I think what you're about to explain is something that I'm thinking back however many years ago when I was maintaining pools on my weekly route. It, it became mundane. It was just like pool stop to pool stop, the same thing, the same thing. And I never put a whole lot of thought into it. And I think this is kind of the norm, right? Mm-hmm. All right, I'm going to take a stab at this. We'll start by not actually knowing the pool volume. You just guesstimate based on either what you were told or just looking at it. Do you have an estimate? There's no exact measurement here. It's a, yeah, it looks about like a 15,000 gallon pool. They're always round numbers. Yeah, I've been doing this for years. I know what I'm looking at. <laughs> sure you do. Okay, uh, great. Good job. Uh, okay, so you get there, you test pH, chlorine, and maybe alkalinity, but nothing else. Bingo. Now, I'm not saying you have to test all the other stuff every time, but that's, you know, we're in a hurry. So we're going to test those three things. We're going to load it up with chlorine and acid to offset the high pH of the chlorine because maybe we don't understand that chlorine is actually pH neutral after it does its job. So you need a very small amount of acid with liquid chlorine, not a pint per gallon of liquid chlorine like we've been taught. You probably need more like four ounces, 
just to take that edge off. You want to know where I apply this acid? Where? Right in front of a pool return, buddy, because you know what? That's as good as mixing it. Oh, that's right. Yeah, because you slug acid and you don't dilute it because that's what the traditional pool care regimen does. So we're just going to put acid straight in. For everybody listening, I just want you to understand this is something I did 15, 16 years ago. This is this is me replaying this formula in my head 16 years ago. Well, admittedly, it's a little better than slugging it in the corner and yes. column pouring No, no, it, always but... in front of a pool return so I could get it mixed up right there. Yeah. Then you're going to net the pool, get the leaves out, empty the skimmer baskets. God forbid you have to vacuum, but if you do, you vacuum really quick just to get what you can see out because you have other pools to go to. You're trying to hit eight to 10 pools a day as a pool pro. So you're going to check the equipment, look at the filter pressure, backwash if needed. You schedule filter cleans periodically if it's DE or cartridge, maybe once a quarter. It just depends on the use. Um, But you just kind of Check the pump, empty the strainer basket, that kind of thing. Yep. How am I doing so far, Jared? So far, so good. Now, vacuuming is going to be the bane of my existence. At all costs, I did not want to have to pull out the vacuum. Granted, sometimes you have to, everyone. You have to vacuum a pool for many reasons outside of just making it look good. There's a reason for it. Nobody enjoys pulling out the pool vacuum. And that's actually one of the higher complaints of, hey, can you tell the guy to vacuum the pool this week? Um it happens. I get it. Well, it's time consuming. I get it too. All right. Now let's talk about the truck or the vehicle, the van, truck, usually a truck. What's on there? Well, there's going to be, I'm going to guess, a lot of different types of shock. Non-chlorine shock, dichlor probably, calhypo bags. Nope. No? Don't have any of that? You're pretty much going to pick one or two, and that's what you're going to ride with. You're going to have your pole, your net, your brush, your bucket that it all goes into, your test kit. It's also, the bucket's also your trash bucket, so they're all going out to the backyard together. Your net's on your pole already, so you're trying to make it as efficient as possible. And then you have your standard chemicals. You have your tabs. Then you have your shock of choice, which depending on where you're located, that could be liquid chlorine or that could be calhypo shock, or depending where you are, it could be dichlor. Or non-chlorine shock. It could be potassium monoprosulfate. Not as common on the... Typical route, uh, they will be there occasionally, but you're pretty much picking a shock, so they can vary. And then you have everything else, acid, so forth. You got your acid, your bicarb, but then you have reactionary chemicals, right? You have sequestering agents for stain removal. You have citric acid probably. Almost guaranteed you're going to have some sort of algicide on the truck, right? If you're being reactionary instead of proactive. So you got some kind of algicide, maybe Two different types that could conflict with one another. Who knows? Don't forget the clarifier. You need the pool looking nice and clear. Right, right, right. Okay, then you got the test kit, which probably has some expired reagents in it, or it's left out in the sun all day and hasn't been calibrated if it's digital. The list just keeps going on and on and on. And you focus on trying to maintain textbook ranges, so you chase pH, you lower the pH every week, so that your chlorine is effective, even though you have cyanuric acid in the pool. All of this is to say... This is how our industry has been taught for a very, very long time. Do you know how many times that we would have a conversation with the other maintenance technicians about how the alkalinity got too low? How many times? How many times, Jared, specifically? We've written up employees for having the alkalinity too low because we were supposed to follow the range, and the alkalinity would be like 60. Now, granted, this was before they were following the LSI. I'm not going to give that much credit, but... It's just that way of thinking that 
be here or else you're in trouble and I'm going to write you up and this is going to be cause for termination if this continues, which is just so weird thinking about it now. But this was a reality. This is still a reality. Well, you don't want to damage equipment. You don't want to etch the surface. I mean, I understand why it was a thing. It was just you didn't understand the full picture. You didn't understand the LSI. You just knew that low alkalinity would lead to aggressive water. Absolutely. And you would do the seesaw game like we talked about. You would add your bicarb and you'd spike the pH and then you come back the next week, the pH would be high, the alkalinity would be okay, and then you'd add acid and just repeat. And it's a infuriating process for those of us that have maintained pools. And I'm assuming everybody listening here has maintained a pool in some form or fashion, but it's just, it's exhausting. <laughs> well, that's just the balance side of it. What about relying on chlorine to do pretty much everything on the sanitizing side? Yeah. You know, oxidation included, which is not really made to do. It'll do it, but it takes a lot more chlorine to oxidize than it does to kill a germ. That's absolutely correct. And, you know, all of this revolves around to doing things in a manner to buy a week, right? That's what we're trying to do as pool professionals. We're trying to buy a week. And that's being good enough. The water looks good enough. I'm doing my job by the book. It's good enough. It's good enough for the company. This is how I was taught. Good enough. Okay, but that is the enemy of being great. Yeah. If you want to be great, you have to be thinking about what the water needs. If you do this right, the chemistry is going to be exactly where you expect it to be because you know that's where water wants it. It's no longer a challenge. You're not fighting it anymore. I agree. When you impose your will upon water, you're conflicting with it. You're conflicting with physics. It's not efficient. It's not affordable. It's not profitable. And yet that's considered, you know, the easy button. We're just going to think about, you know, just buy this product and fix it there. It doesn't work that way. There's no penicillin of pool care. And what I would recommend is for everybody listening who is a pool professional is to sit there and think, what can you do to add value for your homeowners? You know, having this upfront contract is what we call it with a homeowner or whoever it is about why you're going to be maintaining a pool a specific way so they have an understanding for why these range chemistries might be off because you want to be sure that you have this conversation before you start maintaining their pool. Because like I said, if they take this water to a store or somebody else walks in the backyard, they're not going to know necessarily that you're maintaining it by the LSI first and range chemistry second. So have that conversation, but then ask what other things can I be doing to add value? You know, we've started carrying cordless blowers in their trucks so that they can blow off decks here and there, or you just kind of hose off the deck, leave it better than you left it, right? There's little things that you can do to have that homeowner appreciate that, hey, you know what? They're doing a great service. I don't have any problems. They do a great job. They leave the backyard better than we found it. Put the toys up that are around the pool when you go back there. If they have a designated toy bin, if there's toys scattered everywhere, I know everybody, it's annoying, but... It's just the little things that people notice, and that's why they're paying us to be the professional and provide that value. And it doesn't seem like it's your job to put toys away, but if you were a landscaping crew and there were a bunch of toys in the lawn, would you just mow over them and smash them? Probably not. You may not put them away, but you're certainly going to get them out of the way. Yes. It's just part of the job. It doesn't take long. It's just part of the job. It's annoying. I get it, but it's part of the job. The... the gist of this conversation was from the get-go good can get in the way of being great so if you want to be great you have to go seek those other things that you can do to provide the value to make sure that customer appreciates what you do for them and they continue to want to pay you 
right? I pay for services because I don't have time or there's quite honestly the tools, like Eric said earlier, I don't have the tools to do some of these things. It's not that I can't, but sometimes it's just worth paying for a service. Bring that professionalism, bring the value, and don't look for the easy pill. The easy pill is an excuse for a homeowner to do the exact same thing because you know what? It's easy. If it were that easy, why are they paying you? Hey, Jared, do you remember before we came out with Arenda Academy, it was just in its concept phase of what if we made this academy? What if we made this video series of all these classes, the basics of pool care? And in our minds, you had brought it up, and I think Harold had brought it up as well, we could get some pushback from the industry because we're almost over-educating the consumer. We're over-educating the homeowner. But that's not at all what happened. If you listening to this have taken Arenda Academy, number one, we hope you learn a lot and enjoy it because we worked really hard on it. But number two, more importantly, you realize that there's a lot to this. This is not an easy thing to do, like Jared said. It can be predictable. It can be smooth. It can be somewhat mindless, you know, in what you're doing if you're doing it right. But it's not easy. There is no easy button in pool care. You need to stay on top of a bunch of different things. And when you have those things in harmony, the job gets done effectively. We like to say more efficiently because if you do these things right, it can be very efficient. Right. And I want to come back to the six bad habits to avoid and the four pillars. Let me run through those real quick and then let's wrap up the episode. If you want to be great, start with these 10 items. Here's the six bad habits to avoid. Measure your pool chemicals. Don't assume. Use measuring cups. And get the dose right. Use the Arenda calculator or a dosing chart, but find out what your pool actually needs. And in order to do that, the next one is you need to know the pool volume. The best way to do that is to use a water meter when you fill up the pool. Hands down, water meters are going to tell you to the gallon what's in that pool. But if you can't do that, you need to measure the dimensions. You can use our pool volume estimator and get as close as you can. You need to measure water temperature too. Have a thermometer. Use it every time you visit that pool. Homeowners listening to this, if you don't have a thermometer in your pool, buy one. It's like eight bucks. Put it on a string, tie it to your ladder or skimmer. Have it in your pool. Temperature matters a lot. Then take care of your test kits. Don't leave them out in the sun all day. Leave them in the back of your truck if you're a pool pro. If you're a homeowner, store them inside in air conditioning not in direct sunlight, just don't leave them out on the deck. Make sure that the reagents are not expired. If you have a digital one, calibrate it. Make sure it's fully charged. These are the things that make a huge difference in how accurate you can measure your water. Then, stop chasing pH. Try to contain it instead. Use physics to your advantage. We could talk for days on this, but understand that Henry's law is not an opinion. It's a fact. It's as guaranteed as gravity. It's going to happen whether you like it or not, so you might as well obey it because it's going to overpower you. Use the LSI as your floor. Use the pH ceiling as your ceiling. Finally, stop abusing acid. Get your dose correct. Measure that dose. Dilute it, unlike Jared in his past life, and then pour. It makes a huge difference, and these things don't cost you anything. I mean, measuring cups are a couple bucks. Thermometers, eight. Everything else is free. Free 99. But they make a huge difference. So those are the six bad habits. If you go back... We have two episodes where we uh, broke those down. 
Actually, we may have done an episode on each habit. I don't even know. I'm not looking at it. But if you go back, the six bad habits we do cover. And you can see those in our blog as well. And finally, the action step for the four pillars. We have an entire academy program on the four pillars, which is far more detailed than this. But there's one action step for each of our four pillars. And I'm going to quiz Jared. Jared, what are the single action steps for each of our four pillars? Objection. Leading question. Uh, well, I know you're not reading the show notes. See, everybody, this was my episode to host, and he thinks I'm not reading the notes. I'm looking right at Americ. Okay. It says the four pillars action steps, okay? Let's see if you can read. Maintain LSI balance year-round. Now, the key word there is year-round, because even though your water's cold in December, January, February, your LSI is very aggressive potentially. So add the value and try a winter watch if you close a pool. Check on it periodically. Make sure you compensate for that temperature when you're maintaining that pool by either having a higher pH or making sure you have more calcium in the water or something along those lines to make sure your LSI is happy when that water temperature gets cold. Number two, supplement chlorine against the oxidant demands. So things like Shameless Plug, we sell products. Our enzyme product is there to help get rid of those non-living organics and so forth, the oils that have the demand on the chlorine. So chlorine is great, everybody. Let's make sure it's doing what it's supposed to do as efficiently as possible. Number three, maintain phosphate levels below 500 parts per billion. What this is gonna do is help that chlorine as well, like we talked about before. Anything we can do to proactively keep our chlorine working as best as possible, that's the goal. And on that note, the last one, number four, keep your CYA or your cyanuric acid or stabilizer level below 50 parts per million. So what that's doing is basically not giving ankle weights to your chlorine. Now, everybody needs to understand that 30 parts cyanuric acid is plenty. That's going to provide plenty of protection against sunlight. We don't need to get crazy with this. The more you get into your water, the more it's going to slow things down. And those are the action steps according to the four pillars. And the further you stray from those four pillars, the more complex your water chemistry becomes. Like the higher you go with CYA, yeah, you can do it, but you need more chlorine to offset it. You need to supplement chlorine more because it's just going to be slowing your chlorine down intentionally. And sanitization is a race between killing and the growth and reproduction rate. Everybody who's listening or not listening, they're free to maintain their pools however they see fit. We're just trying to kind of shed light on a, a, a better, more proactive way because that's our philosophy as a company is more proactive pool care with less chemical byproducts. And no chemical conflicts. Bingo. You forgot one third of our philosophy, Jared. That is embarrassing. In your first time being the official host of this episode, you fell short by 33%. Unbelievable. Eric, teamwork makes the dream work here. That's why, that's why I keep you around here, bud. That's why you keep me around. Okay, very good, very good. As you were talking, Jared, I was thinking, this is what people on Facebook think of the Arenda cult. They just call us a <laughs> cult because when people start doing it this way, they don't go back. And that's not because of us. It's because water likes this. Your pools will look great. Your pool chemistry will be predictable. And it's just this cult because it is different. It sounds weird, but it's not made up. Trust but verify. Give it a try.
Prove us wrong. We put a lot of time into this information and what we do. We don't just wing it. I promise you guys, we've we've dug pretty deep here. I know Eric has for sure. Uh, we read a lot of stuff. And like I said before, uh, we don't know everything, but... We wouldn't get very far if we were making this up. No. We would have been called out a long time ago. And everything that we publish is vetted before we publish it. So give it a try. It's going to save you money. That's for sure. So you don't need our products to do a lot of this stuff. Yeah. You know, pillars two and three, we help with those. But the bad habits have nothing to do with us. LSI balance has nothing to do with us. Do what's right by your water. And uh, that is going to be how you rule your pool and be great. I hope that you gain some value here and kind of reflect it on your practices and try to find that extra value you can add for your customers. We appreciate you guys listening. And if y'all have any questions, uh, visit our website and just reach out to us. And thank you for allowing me to be the host this week, Eric. You did great. This has been episode 84 of the Rule Your Pool podcast. Until next time, take care, everyone. Thanks. Thank you for listening to Rule Your Pool, a podcast by Arenda Technologies. For more information on what we discussed in this week's episode, check the links in the description or visit www.orendatech.com. I hope you find this show valuable enough that you tap that subscribe button and share it with your friends. You can also like us on Facebook and social media. And with our help, you'll be able to rule your pool without over-treating it with chemicals and wasting money. I'll see you next episode.